Amen. Amen. That is why we're here, because He is worthy. He is worthy. Even you, Buttercup. Teresa, I'm sorry He did that to you. Called you Buttercup. Hey, if you have your Bibles, if you'll open up to a couple of Gospels, we're going to flip back and forth this morning, a little different than maybe what I normally do, so... I don't want you to get lost, so if you have a copy of God's Word, that may be the easiest way. The verses of Scripture won't be on the screen. But there are a couple different accounts of the birth of Christ in uh, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Actually, in Matthew and Luke, and we're going to kind of go back and forth between those this morning in just a minute as we talk about the joy of Christmas. The joy of Christmas. Thank you, Jessica, for sharing this morning. Grateful for you and all of our college students uh, and uh, for what they mean to the life of our church. Uh, real quick, too, let me also say thank you to all of you as a church family uh, for your giving this year in this up-and-down zaniness of the coronavirus. And uh, our church has stayed financially strong, which has enabled us to do a lot of things a lot of churches have not been able to do. So thank you, thank you. And if you're wanting to get in a year-end gift, uh, Janice was... Reminding us this week by December 27th, which is next Sunday, if you want to get that gift in, because uh, the rest of us will be gone uh, for the holidays. By the way, next Sunday, 10 a.m. worship only. No, no small group or Sunday school, okay? Just a reminder. So I want to talk about joy this morning. I know as we get to the holidays, for some of us, uh, joy is a hard thing to, to conjure up. Because the holidays may be a little bit different this year for you. Maybe there's somebody that was at the table last Christmas that won't be at the table this Christmas. Uh, maybe you're still in coronavirus mode and you're trying to get out of all the, the, uh, the, the funk and junk of coronavirus and trying to have this joy. And uh, for all the reasons that we've heard in the music this morning, we should have joy. Joy, by the way, is different than happiness. Because happiness is based on my circumstance. But joy is based... On my relationship with Jesus. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. And so today, if you're weary, guess what? I'm glad you're here. You came to the right place. Not just Crossroads Church, but the source of joy, who is Jesus. He is our source. Um, I grew up, uh, this time of year, going to grandma's. And none of my grandparents are alive anymore. Um, But my dad's mom lived in... Uh, western, I guess eastern actually, North Carolina near the Rocky Mount area. Uh, and I remember when we would go for the holidays, that dreaded six-hour drive in that station wagon with the wood grain sides on it. And I remember getting into the back seat with my sister, who's three years my younger, and uh, beginning to make that travel. And I remember all kinds of This was before cell phones, this was before iPads, this was before any kind of digital games that you could give to your kids and say, have fun. There was none of that. There was the alphabet game, which you would play driving down the road, and you would pick letters off signs. Some of you are nodding, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, I remember my dad often saying, when we would get in the car to go to my grandmother's house, he would just say, get back there and enjoy the trip. We're kind of going to go on a little trip this morning as we look at the story of Christmas. The Christmas story is actually full of joy. Uh, if you read um, uh, Matthew's account, 
Uh, it's, it's a little more somber. Matthew, as you know, was a tax collector. It's a little more somber, just the facts, just the really details. I mean, even goes back to the genealogy and things like that. Uh, that's Matthew's account. I was talking to our group for Bible study this, this week, and there's a lot of things about the Christmas story that we don't know. Uh, but some of what I might suggest could have possibly happened. We don't know. Some of this will be just guesses. Uh, is not what we talked about Wednesday. So if you're here Wednesday, uh, don't think I'm trying to change your mind. I, we, we don't know about some of those facts. But I want to talk to you this morning about the real joy of Christmas. The real joy of Christmas. And we're going to look at Matthew's account in just a minute. But if, again, if you look at Luke's account, it's very interesting. And I'll go ahead and give you the first point about having joy. The first point is this. We've got to enjoy the journey. And that's what my... Dad would say when we'd climb in the back seat of that station wagon. Because we would often ask, how much longer? How much? Just sit back and enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride. Which was easy to say because he was driving at a high rate of speed. Intended to get faster and faster the more my sister and I complained in the back seat. He would just say, enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. I would submit to you this morning that for those of us who have real joy... We figured out how to do that. We figured out how to enjoy the journey. And that's actually what Mary and Joseph did. Now, Luke's account, keep in mind Luke was a physician. He was all about the details because he was a physician. But he's also about how it emotionally connected to the person because that's what he did. He had bedside manner. He was a physician but also an evangelist. So he was kind of a tent maker. And we find out in Luke's uh, gospel some interesting things about about Jesus and about his birth. And so if you've got your Bible, chap, Luke chapter 2, I want us to look at it just a little bit, Luke chapter 2, and we're going to go back up to chapter 1, and again, we're going to be kind of popping around from Matthew to Luke this morning, but Luke chapter 2 says, Now it came about in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all were proceeding to register for the census, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and family of David. That's interesting. In order to register along with Mary, he was engaged to him and was with child, and it came about while they were there. The days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and lied him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. So we'll stop there just a minute, but we'll, again, flip back and forth and look at more of this chapter in a minute. It's interesting about Mary and Joseph. I used to think, because this is kind of the way I grew up, we all have our own traditions and things that we read, that... It probably Mary and Joseph were very somber. Wow, what a huge responsibility of knowing that they're carrying the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and, and maybe trudging as they were traveling, and, and Mary pregnant sitting on this donkey, and woe is me, and things were hard and difficult, and that for sure was probably part of the story. But as you read more of Luke's account, you find out a little bit about the emotion of what was going on there when the angel comes and appears, which you read back in, uh, later in chapter 2 after those verses we were talking about. We looked at this a little last week where the shepherds were in the field, abiding in the field. 
and they became part of that family, you start to ask yourself some questions. Now, all of us in here, uh, maybe you have not, don't have any babies, but you've been a baby. Newsflash, if you didn't know that, you've been a baby, okay? So all of us have some connection or some, uh, some relationship to knowing about being a baby. Some of us really know about that because we've had an addition in the last, uh, last week or so. Our friend Jared and the Ballard family are experiencing that right now. A baby does change everything. A baby does change everything. So as I was reading this week, thinking about what Mary and Joseph might have been experiencing, just because they are characters, real characters, real people that we read about in the Bible, doesn't mean they didn't experience some of the same emotions that you and I experience. I think sometimes we read about people in the Bible as if they're from another planet. And they don't relate to the same things that we face. Obviously, our world has changed dramatically in 2,000 plus years. But emotionally, there are some things that are pretty much similar with mankind. Even Jesus himself, God in a bod, the man, uh, Jesus the Messiah in the flesh, as God experienced emotions, the Bible tells us, and even temptations just like as we, and yet was without sin. So I think about Mary about to give birth. And if you look at, again, Luke's account, here she is. Yes, she treks down with Joseph. But if you remember, Joseph was going back to his hometown. And perhaps was greeted, I don't know, by maybe cousins and aunts and uncles and distant relatives. The Son of God comes into the world and maybe there's a lot of singing and they're tired from this journey. They're tired from the hot sun and Mary goes into labor, perhaps surrounded. This is one of the questions we asked Wednesday. Were Mary and Joseph all by themselves when she gave birth? We don't know. Sometimes we think maybe they were. Our nativity sets that we put out at Christmas make us think it was just the two of them and maybe some animals. And then the shepherds came and then the magi came. But we don't know. Could it be that if Joseph had gone to his hometown and the Son of God comes back, or the Son of God comes into the world, that there was a throng of people that were surrounding them, much like, for those of you who are parents or grandparents, happens when our baby comes into the world? I don't know. The Bible's not clear. But nonetheless, we know, because of what we read in Matthew, and again, Luke's gospel, that there was a lot of joy. Part of what I kind of just explained to you kind of hypothetically maybe requires a little bit of imagination, but could have happened that way. Oftentimes we talk about the fact that Luke tells us in, in, in Luke chapter 2, verse 7, she gave birth to him, her first son, wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room. My translation I'm reading from says no room for them in the end. This is the New American Standard. Yet if you go back and study the Greek, as I did this week, not, not going to shoot you too many Greek words this morning, but I was looking at this morning and reading what some other people had talked about. Um, it's actually the word, the Greek word, kataluma. So you can go out to eat lunch today and say, hey, I'm smart, I learned a Greek word, kataluma. And kataluma actually is better translated guest room. Guest room. Well, as I'm studying this week, I've never heard that before. There was no room in the guest room, which could imply that there were a throng of people waiting on them to come. Because if you study again Matthew's gospel, we know that Elizabeth and Zechariah find themselves pregnant. And you know, Zechariah doesn't think that they can get pregnant, so he doubts the Lord. And the Lord takes away Zechariah's ability to speak. 
And when Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, Elizabeth says, oh, my baby jumped in my womb. My baby leapt with what? Joy. Joy. So it's interesting, but Kataluma better translated guest room. And later, how do we know that when Jesus was looking for a place in Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, he asked the owner the same thing for a Kataloma to eat with his disciples, a guest room. Contrast with the Good Samaritan story, where the Good Samaritan, the parable they have, the injured man on the road, the Good Samaritan takes that injured person to an inn, which is another Greek word, pandoxion. So just interesting, I, I say that to you because sometimes we have in our mind this image of the way we think the Christmas story happened, which may or may not be correct. We've really got to look at what God's Word says. You say, Jack, what does that have to do with, with what we're talking about this morning? Well, it has a lot to do with it because we've got to really know what is happening in this story to understand how Mary and Joseph could understand the fact that they need to enjoy the journey. Even the tattered rags that we often refer to that Jesus was wrapped in are not necessarily tattered. It's another Greek word that means swaddled. Swaddled. It could have been just like you've been given a baby blanket maybe when you uh, had a kid or you are a grandparent and you gave a baby blanket. Some of these things that we do are actually from years and years of tradition and history. Nonetheless, we know that babies bring joy, and the point of it all is we've got to enjoy the journey. And we're going to discover how Mary and Joseph were able to enjoy this journey. Keep, keep in mind, Joseph, uh, an angel appears to Joseph, and we read about that earlier in Luke's gospel, that an angel appears to Joseph and tells him that he is going to be betrothed, engaged to a virgin Luke chapter 1 verse 26, it was a six month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city to this virgin. He appears to Mary and says, don't be afraid. Verse 30, you have found favor with God. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. It's a powerful thing to think about the fact that we should enjoy the journey. I'm so glad what Jessica said because sometimes things that come into our world interruptions, distractions of life keep us from enjoying the journey. My friend, I want you to enjoy the journey. How can you enjoy the journey? Well, I've discovered this. The only way you can really enjoy the journey is number two, you've got to know the purpose for the journey. I switched these around last night, so I know it says number three on the screen, but it's number two. You didn't fall asleep and miss something. Know the purpose for the journey. Can I ask you a question this morning? Do you know your purpose? you know why you're here? If you don't, I want to encourage you to discover your purpose. You'll never enjoy the journey until you know what your purpose is. And I think about what's happening in this Christmas story. Well, I'll just use my own illustration I started with with going to Grandma's house. The reason I could get in the back seat for six hours... (laughs) Couldn't pick my music because the rule then was the driver picks the music. There were no earbuds, so I got to listen to, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, some eight-track music that was just phenomenal, or so my mom and dad thought, on those six-hour trips. And the way I enjoyed the journey was I knew the purpose of the trip. I knew what was, what we were, where we were going, what the purpose was. We're going to open presents, we're going to grandma's house, we're going to do all this great stuff. I knew what the purpose was. We were out just for a Sunday drive with no purpose in mind. 
Can I ask you this, church family? Do you know your purpose? As I get older, the purpose becomes a little more into focus of what we're here for. Sometimes growing up, I felt my purpose was about me. My, the purpose for me being on this planet was my happiness. My fulfillment. What I could take and what I could get out of life. Grab the gusto, look out for number one. And the older I've gotten, I've realized that that's not my purpose. That's not my purpose. Let's discover what the purpose of the folks in these stories are about. As a matter of fact, if you want to have joy, you've got to know the purpose. I think James says it this way. The book of James chapter 2 verse 2 says, Count it all joy when you have those trials of various kinds that Jessica was talking about. For you know your purpose. Basically, you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or endurance. Have you ever met somebody who seems miserable all the time? Man, I had a relative, I'm not going to mention her name, but on one of our family gatherings we would go to every year, you never ask the question, how you doing? Because she would pull out, let me tell you what's going wrong, and she had her list. And I'm thinking, wow, most of what's on your list sounds just like personal preferences, and do you know your purpose today? I'll be honest, the people that I have met in my life to have the most joy know their purpose. They know what they're here for. And that's true in this story. Let's look at a couple of them in Matthew chapter 1. If you want to flip backwards to Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 1. This is what happened. Mary and Joseph knew their purpose. You say, Jack, how did you know that? Matthew chapter 1 verse 24. The announcement of the birth comes. Mary's been betrothed to to Joseph, as I mentioned. The angel says, you're going to bear a son. And it gets down to verse 24. And Joseph, after the angel appears to Joseph, he arose from his sleep and did as the angel commanded him. Some translations say, Joseph arose from his sleep and got up. Moved forward in his purpose. Did what God had for him to do. Matthew chapter uh, 1 as well, if you flip over to verse 13. It says, when the angel, when they had departed, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and remain there, because Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him or to kill him. Verse 14, he got up. He arose, he got up. He knew his purpose. He knew what God had for him to do. And, he knew, and Mary did as well, by the way. If you flip over to Matthew chapter 2, verse 19, we know the story continues. And Herod eventually dies. And an angel comes back again to Joseph in a dream. Matthew two nineteen, and says, Arise, take up the child and his mother and go into the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And verse 21, he arose, he got up. He knew his purpose. He knew his purpose. Do you know your purpose today? Have you discovered your purpose? The reason that God made you. I was talking to some friends this week, and it's interesting, the world that we live in tries to tell us and give us different options for what our purpose is, applies to everything, it can apply to our vocation, one of the great misnomers and great misconceptions that goes out in our world, and we kind of have bought this hook, line, and sinker in the church, is you can be whatever you want to be. I know that's a great military slogan, but I want to tell you this morning, according to the Word of God, no, you can't. 
You can only be what God created you to be. And that's where you'll find your ultimate happiness, your ultimate joy is being who God created you to be. Who better to define your purpose than the person who created you? It's not just vocationally. It comes to who I am. It comes to my identity. It comes to even my sexual identity. Our world is telling us all, well, you can do whatever you want. No, you can't. Not according to God's word. And it's not just God's word. God has ultimate say because God is the creator. And so sometimes we kind of blaspheme God and really uh, give God great disrespect by us kind of deciding what we're going to do and who we're going to be. And he's the ultimate one who has the authority. So for Mary and Joseph, it was easy perhaps for them to say, okay, we're going to be about the purpose. We're not just going to be on this journey, but we're going to know the purpose for the journey. In contrast, if you look at Herod, in Matthew chapter 2, verses 4 through 8, Herod has a different plan. Actually, verse 3 says, When Herod the king heard about the wise men coming, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he began to inquire of them where the Christ was to be born, so he could go and worship. Is that what your translation says? You guys awake this morning? Is that why Herod got all the scribes and the, and the wise men to come tell him where Jesus was? No. His purpose was he wanted to kill Jesus. He wanted to kill Jesus. And so we find out when they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea in verse 5, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, by no means least among the leaders of Judah, as the prophet wrote, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Verse 7, Herod secretly called the Magi, the wise men, and ascertained from them the time the star had appeared. And says to them, go worship, and I'll come along later. But his intent was to go and to kill Jesus. That was his purpose, or his chosen purpose. Friend, what's your purpose today? If you want to have joy, you have to know your purpose. If you don't know your purpose, I pray you will discover it. I would suggest to you a few things that God's Word says to you and to me. If we're children of God, that our purpose is to seek after God, to seek you first the kingdom of God. There's one of our purposes. It's to bring glory to God. That's one of our purposes. It's to go into all the world and share the gospel. There's another purpose. All those things are part of who I should be and what I should be about. And if I want to have joy and the joy of Christmas, I have to know what my purpose is. As a Christian, I'd love to tell you that I've always known my purpose. I haven't. Some of the most miserable times on the planet have been even knowing Jesus when I was kind of trudging through life, not knowing my purpose or my direction. I don't know if you've ever been there before. It's not a happy place. Before I came to Crossroads, there's about two years of that. Just to explain why I'm very joyful now. Because when you are trying to figure out what God wants you to do in your purpose, it's very hard to have joy. It really is. And when you discover your purpose, it's like, wow, this is why I'm here. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. It's like, this is awesome. And a matter of fact, the place God has for you and the purpose God has for you will be the most joyful place you can ever be. Some of us get scared. God's going to call me here. God's going to call me. God's going to call me to Africa. God's going to call me to do this. Call me to do that. Wherever God has for you to be, His purpose is going to be the most joyful place you can be because that's the reason you were created. So we have to know our purpose. Our purpose is not God's purpose for us, and our purpose for ourselves is not just to make us happy, as a friend of mine likes to say, it's to make us holy. 
and maybe the North American church sometimes, I don't think our church falls into this category, but maybe most of the North American church thinks that God is here for us to be happy. God is here so we have the right socioeconomic lifestyle. God is here so we have the right military uh, to support us. God is here so we have the right person in power, the right party in power. To... That's not why God has you here. That's, not, that's maybe your journey, but that's not God's journey. God's journey is he wants us to be focused on our purpose. The wise men stayed focused on their purpose. Can you imagine? The wise men, you look in Matthew chapter 2, verse 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the wise men head in that direction. Where is he who's been born? King of the Jews, they asked for. We saw his star in the east and we have come to worship him. They start on this journey. They finally get there. If you flip over to chapter 2, verse 11. And they come into the house and they see the child with Mary, his mother, and they fall down and worship him. Opening their treasures, they present frankincense, gold, and myrrh. They stayed focused on their purpose, no doubt on that long journey. They got weary and tired, maybe started complaining. Maybe one of the wise men wasn't playing the right kind of music as they were traveling along. I don't know what they encountered on that journey, but they pressed on and they stayed focused on their purpose. I hope you know your purpose today. And you know what else I've discovered? Sometimes the purpose of the journey will come into full focus when I fix my eyes on the destination. Do you know your destination today? Man, when we were going to Grandma's house, we knew the purpose. We knew what we were going for. We knew all the happiness that was going to be there and the joy of seeing family we haven't seen. But... When I thought about keeping my eyes on the destination, I had a couple things that I thought about. One of them was fried chicken. My grandmother, now my mom has gotten pretty close, Lynette's gotten pretty close, but my grandmother, my dad's mom, I don't know what kind of secret ingredient she had in that kitchen. And by the way, you could not come in her kitchen too, it was private. Unless you were participating in getting the meal ready, you stayed in the den. You did not get to the door. It was almost like she had guards standing by the door. You did not come in, go wait in the den. I will let you know when it's ready. But when I'm on that six-hour trip as a kid headed to Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, the thing, two things I thought about, one was fried chicken. It's going to be waiting on me. I got it in my mind's eye, that destination. I can't wait. The crunchiness, it's not greasy. It's flavored, seasoned just right. The other thing was mashed potatoes, mashed potatoes. These weren't the mashed potatoes where you'd pull out the blender and you'd get the blender's help and machine help. These were hand-mashed potatoes. Wow, I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. That is what gives, gave me an incentive to get along with my sister, especially during those preteen, tween age years, when we wanted to have our, that's, you're on my side, you're on my side, you're on my, and that's why I remember as parents, if you're kind of wondering, if you're a teenager today and you're wondering where mom and dad learned this, they learned this from their mom and dad, where you could drive. Keep your eye on the road and, and not swerve and still be able to take your arm and reach clear back to the third seat in the station wagon and get hit if you were misbehaving. 
Now, that was a little bit of incentive. I, I, I admit, that was a little bit of incentive. But the fried chicken and mashed potatoes were equally an incentive. I think about these wise men who went to see the star after all these months. I know we read in Scripture and it sounds like they saw the star five seconds later. They're at the manger scene or they're in that lower floor of the house where a lot of mangers were in the lower floor of a, of a home. We think it was a quick trip. No, it wasn't a quick trip. A lot of miles, a lot of time, a lot of distance. And they made that arduous trip. Maybe they were tired. Maybe they were worn out. Maybe they were fretting from the journey, but they kept their eyes on the destination, the star. And they knew what was under that star, the Messiah, the king of the world. As a matter of fact, when they got there, Matthew tells us, chapter 2, verse 10, that when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Amazing. They followed the star. What about, what about these wise men? Their focus was totally on Jesus, the one who would be called Emmanuel, God with us. They were focused on their destination. I think about that baby Jesus who we've talked about over the last few weeks and many of you know grew up from that manger scene to become a man to give his life for us. And I think about what in the world, God, what in the world were you thinking? How in the world could you, knowing that the cross was coming, how could you not call a legion of angels to take you off that cross? you know how? I read it this week. I was like, wow, amazing. He kept his eye on the destination. The writer of Hebrews says it this way. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. How did the baby Jesus who grew up, God in the flesh, became a man, headed to that cross, how did he do it? How did he go through with it? He kept his eyes on the destination. The joy set before him, which I think, and other biblical scholars seem to think, that Jesus looked down through the future generations of the world and he saw those of us who would bow our knee at him, maybe not with frankincense, gold, and myrrh, but we would bow our knee, the knee of our heart, and say, yes, Lord Jesus, I receive you. Because to many of them that have received him, to those he's given the power to be called the Son of God. Amazing that Jesus had that kind of focus. He looked at the destination. You say, Jack, how in the world do we, what do we learn from that? How do we get through this life? How do we experience joy? I think, my friend, it's the same exact way. We have to have our focus on our destination. This is not my home. This is a temporary stop. It's a temporary stop. My destination is to spend eternity with a baby who became a man, who was crucified, who was resurrected, who is seated at the right hand of God, and by the power of the Holy Spirit lives in you and me today. That's the destination. So coronavirus, oh my goodness, pandemic, economy, political party, boom. That's just like a little bump in the road. Boom, boom, boom. boom. He is a 
in charge. He's the creator of the world. My destination is with him. I hope you have joy. Crossroads family, I wish you a huge Merry Christmas. And I hope most of all that your Christmas of everything that you could experience. Yes, the peace of God. Yes, the love of God. But the joy of the Lord. Do you have that joy this morning? Do you have the joy of Christmas? Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for these friends today. Thank you for the power of your word. I thank you, Lord, that this journey that you have us on, you, 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 you do want us to enjoy it. You don't want us just to trod through this life just to get to heaven. You want us to enjoy this journey. And our relationship with you, learning and growing and becoming all that you want us to become as men and women of God. But Lord, to do that, we have to know what our purpose is. And perhaps there are some friends in this room today who would say, you know what? Wow, that is what is missing in my life, is knowing my purpose. God created me. Ultimately, my purpose is to have communion and relationship with Him. Lord, when we have that purpose, we can fix our eyes on the destination, knowing that one day we have a future with You. King of the universe, the baby in a manger, the Christ of Christmas. Friend, as you're praying this morning, I would ask you just keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for just a minute. I just want to ask that question of you again. Do you have the joy of Christmas? See, the joy of Christmas lasts 365 days a year. Maybe this morning as you are here gathered in this place or you're watching by way of live stream, you'd say, you know what, I, I don't know my purpose today. And I know the first step is to surrender my life to Jesus so that I can know my purpose. If that's you this morning, in just a minute I'm going to ask you, give you the opportunity to come down front and pray with someone who would love for you to, to love to show you how to come to know Jesus nothing fancy, there's no magical prayer, there's no magic formula, it's simply doing exactly what those wise men did, and that is going and kneeling at his feet and saying, I worship you, Lord, you're in control, come into my life, I surrender my life to you, you're my boss, my Lord, and this morning, if you need to do that, in just a minute, we're going to have a song of invitation. And if you need to respond that way, I pray you'd come for the rest of us. Maybe the encouragement of Christmas today that we need to be reminded is there's a destination in sight. For some of us, maybe in this room, it may be the visible returning of the Lord Jesus Christ. For others of us, it may be passing away and being swept up in the clouds when he returns. Either way, it's living forever with Jesus in heaven so friend I don't know where you are this morning church family I don't know what you may have on your heart but I just pray that you'd ask the Lord right now to speak to you and that you respond like Mary and Joseph did when God spoke they got up they moved forward they obeyed Lord this is your time I pray you'd have the freedom to work in your Holy Spirit in Jesus name
Amen. Amen. Would you stand? I'm going to ask Heath to come join me. If you need prayer this morning, just want somebody to love on you, hug your neck. If you want to become a part of Crossroads, I know some of you have been a part of our new members class. Love for you to come and let our church family know.